Welcome to Yes Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll talk about how classifying ourselves as workers is dangerous to society and marginalized people. We will also talk about the climate in and out of the club and all of the amazing things that sex workers do and everything else in between. This is Daisy Ducati with Yes a Stripper Podcast. Today we're going to have a conversation with Pandora Noir. She's someone that I look up to and respect so much. We met years ago working at the Lusty Lady, and for those who don't know, the Lusty Lady was the very first unionized and cooperatively owned peep show. We'll talk about what it was like to be a union girl at the bitter end of an era, as well as what we can all learn from this adventure going forward. So tune in and let's have a chat. Hello, Pandora, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper podcast. I'm really excited to have you as a guest today. And you're one of my best friends, best roommate I ever had. And (laughs) I have learned so much about the industry from you. So I'm really, really excited to have you today. I'm excited. Yay. I mean, my bed. Do you recognize it? Kind of blurry. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your experience in the industry? I know you're a pretty serious veteran. <laughs> <laughs> tell yeah. us. Okay. I was born. No. Um, so <laughs> let's see. I, gosh, where to start? I started dancing at the LL in the mid-late 90s, right as we were unionized, right at the tip of the end of the unionizing process. So um, I came in during that era. I also worked at other clubs in this in San Francisco, in the city. I worked uh, all around the Broadway, all on the strip. Um, but I always, and I stayed at the LL. And I was there when we got the news that they were thinking of closing and we panicked and decided to form a co-op and buy it. And that whole process was bananas. Um, And that, and then we did that for about 10 years. Um, And then I was there at the end where you were there too. And that was super bananas. Oh yeah. (laughs) That was, that was a wild time. Um, Like I, I feel like I came in at the beginning of the end of the LL. (laughs) You came in when everything was exploding and I was like, it's not always like this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is what's happening, which I can talk about briefly about how that happened. If that's something you want to cover, I don't know. Oh yeah. We're definitely going to get into that. So first I want to talk about, uh, the lusty lady in general and like some tea today yeah yeah it's time (laughs) it's time but first I want to talk a little bit about the lusty lady in general and like what it means to work for a stripper union and a stripper co-op I think that was like some revolutionary stuff that was going on there let's see so there's two separate things um and so I'll talk about the union first I think and because Timeline wise, that's how that goes. Um, so we started the union, uh, the process started in 96 and we were unionized in 97. Um, so the 
union process was was quite a process. Um, there is a documentary that people should very much check out if they have not already called Live yes. Girls Unite. Um, there's also a book that came out, I think, two years ago now, maybe, um, called Neon Girls, um, which is one person's, it's their, it, it um, documents it very well, but it is from their point of view and from their perspective. So it's a first person account. Um, and so basically what had happened was um, the dancers at the Lusty Lady were already employees classified as employees, which uh, already had been ruled by Governor Gray Davis that all exotic dancers were employees, but the other clubs just sort of ignored that. And a lot of people didn't didn't even know that. But um, so we were already employees. So that gave us the rights to unionize. Um, and the management at the time was doing some shady stuff, um, some yucky racist things that were really awful um, about um, having like only one dancer of color could be on stage at a time. Um, and there were things that were happening with like sick days. If you got sick and you had to get your shift covered, it had to be by someone uh, thinner than you, lighter skinned than you and with larger breasts than you, no matter what your um, anything, whatever your appearance was. So um, I would not be able to have gotten my shift covered as easily with light hair as I would with dark hair because a I could cut my shift covered by a busty blonde girl, but I couldn't get my shift covered by a girl who was um, less bestier than me or had shorter hair than me or darker or hair. Or me. Or you, not at all. You could <laughs> not have covered, I could have covered your shifts, but you could not have covered my shifts. Mm -hmm. And the firing practices didn't make sense. And um, people would be coming in sick and coughing and sneezing inside the little glass box altogether because they couldn't get their shifts covered and it didn't make any sense. Um, and also, as soon as you got to top wage, because, you know, you got hired and then you'd move up and get your regular raises like you would with any normal job, um, you would get to top wage and then suddenly they'd be looking for reasons to fire you because that was how they managed the turnover because they wanted to keep having new people, but also to keep their costs low by always having new people than everyone was at starting wage. Um, so really goofy stuff. Um, I had my shoe come unbuckled on stage and I bent down to buckle it and they fired me for, for that. That's why I actually initially got fired. What? Um, Cause that wasn't a prop appropriate stage behavior. Are you just supposed to let your shoe fall off? Yeah, they were like, I guess when they came and did, because there was that little spy window yeah. uh, that, the, that managers could spy through. Um, not spy, but look, spy, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so when they came to look, it happened that I was like sitting on that little edge of the stage and fixing my shoe. And so they were like, you were sitting down on stage, which was an absolute no-no. I was like, my uh, shoe done. I didn't, I'm in a like seven. <laughs> heel like I can't just walk I could ask I guess I could have kicked yeah. it, like limped over off the stage and then fixed it I didn't think that would be appropriate either I was just anyway it was silly yeah. but I had just I, was, I had just hit top wage and so I don't know if you remember those stickers in the dressing room that said ready aim fired yeah yeah that's what that was about that the minute you hit top wage you felt just so anxious because you knew they were just looking for any little mistake and everyone was always getting fired. So it was wow. stuff like that. It was just this environment that was just really stressful. Um, 
And so we're like, this is some bullshit. So we formed a union, which, you know, we went to SCIU, um, which is the Service Employees International Union. Um, and they were supportive of us and helped us with the process. And then in 97, we successfully unionized. Yay. And let's talk about the windows also, like what was going on. Yeah. That. that was a big bleh. Um, So there were, um, to anyone that's never seen the Lusty in a movie or been inside of it or seen pictures of it, around the state, it was like a little sort of a music box with one wall mirrored and then windows all around. Um, and people would put money in and the window would go up and the customers could see you dancing. Um, and there were two windows on the corners that were a uh, one way for, they felt that there were some customers that would want to look at the dancers and not be looked at, you know, um, in case they were shy or I don't know. And then what had happened with that was um, it, you know, the digital age and the internet happened old and uh then so people started filming the dancers through the runways mm-hmm. and then putting our the videos of us dancing nude um up on the internet for anyone to see for free um without our consent um and so it felt really 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 violating um and dancers complained and complained about it um about wanting to take out the one-way mirrors and management felt that they would lose money, that it was a popular thing, and da-da-da. Um, and a couple of things happened with that. One was that um, one day someone came in with a gun um, and shot into the window. No one got hurt. It's terrifying. It was terrifying. We were like, we can't see what's on the other side. Like, we, are, we don't feel safe. So that was awful. And then... Um, a brilliant and wonderful dancer who was my, one of my mentors um, was on stage and there was a little red light she could see. And she knew that it was a camera and she had just had it. So she kicked the window in. Um, (laughs) And uh, (laughs) yeah, she was just like, Nope. And like kicked the window down. Um, so a lot of these things were, you know, things were brewing, things were angry, people were angry. It was a big fight back and forth about, you know, what as dancers we have rights as humans to ask. And they were like, you know, if you don't want to be um, on the internet naked with people looking at you, then you shouldn't be a dancer. I was like, that's not what I, you know, this was before webcams, this was before OnlyFans, this was before any of that. So people were like, you know, nothing against, you know, that or porn or whatever, but they were like, that's not the job I signed on for. I want to come in, dance, get paid and go home. And I don't want it out there. I don't want to worry like where it's going to go, that it's going to make its way to a family member or a coworker in another job or whatever. Like, doesn't matter. Like it's there. They can decide that they don't want their image out there on the internet. And, um, the management's attitude was sort of like, you know, as a dan- you've become a dancer, you've given up all agency as a person at this point. And we were like, no, 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 no. That's, that's uh, a really dangerous position for them to take too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a real crappy one. So, yeah. So we were just like, no, we're not really a fan of that. So um, when they wouldn't change it, um, 
And then the dancers went on strike and then they did a lockout, which is illegal. Um, and so then that was awful, but it also gave us the attraction. We needed to be like, okay, now the union's getting involved because um, you messed up and sorry, the rest is a, uh, it's a history of we won the union uh, with votes and things, and we became unionized. And if people want to know, like, the extended story of the unionization, I definitely recommend Live Nude Girls Unite. That that documentary actually introduced me to the Lusty Lady when I was in college, and um, I decided to go audition like pretty much the next day after seeing the documentary. I was like, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. And I skipped school <laughs> to go audition. That is and... the cutest thing I ever heard. <laughs> and it was, it was probably one of the best decisions I had made in a long time. I'm glad I did it. If someone had told you about the chaos you were about to walk into, would you have been <laughs> still done it? I mean, I... I actually appreciate that I was able to be there and help in a way. Like I, I wanted to be a part of it and even in the messiest way. Even when it was uh, on fire. Yeah. <laughs> like, cool, cool. Yeah. And I, I was, I'm glad that I was able to be there and do what I did and kind of help hold things together, even in the slightest little bit. You did so much. Could not have done that without you. Who else is going to get a safe out the door? Man, closing a business is not easy. <laughs> closing a business is not easy. Closing a business that has been in business for 30 years with two weeks to do it. Closing a business that has not shut its doors for 40 years. Yes. With we, no were 24 seven. Like, we were 24-7 business. Yeah. When we closed, we were like, wait, the doors don't lock. How do we <laughs> no one was like, to lock the doors. 24-7. It was like, I'll be right back. I'm going to the hardware store with, to get a big... Yeah, I, I think we got like, a bike chain. Bike chain and a lock. <laughs> We're like, well, put that on the door for now. That'll do. Like, oh. and, and that was, it was that stripper hustle, like tape it together, make it work. Like figure it out. Like just figure <laughs> it out. You can do this. You are a hustler. You are a, you know, like... Yeah, there's that that I don't know, like this that punk rock hustler survival thing that mm-hmm. that strippers have, where it's like whatever happens is like all right. It's like, were you there for the Pride float the year that it went under the overpass? Mm-hmm. I don't no, I don't think we did a Pride float when I was there. I was only there for like eight months. <laughs> oh goodness, oh, longer. It was long eight months. Um, <laughs> so we used to do a float every year in the San Francisco Pride, and. Um, one year, the structure, because you go down to the float barn and they sort of give you the one that you get and then you decorate and build it. And so we had some really yeah. cool ones. How We had one that had this like big like crow's kind of crow nest, like pirate ship thing. And then it had a pole on top and girls could climb up and yeah. dance. So it was really fun. Although it's really scary to be on the pole. And then because the float doesn't just, it like stops and starts. So you'd be on the oh. floor, like stop and you'd be like, whoa, but you had <laughs> to like be ready. Because um, you're up really high. <laughs> it was a little scary. <laughs> So, um, one year had sort of this back and like backdrop, I guess mm-hmm. it used to be maybe one of like the bank of America when the big floats, which was really cool, but they had changed the parade route a little bit and it went under one of the, uh, like overpass things over around like fourth and Bryant. Uh Oh, 
So the float got, you know, come out early in the morning, went from the float barn and it got to the overpass and it was just like, got there and it was all <gasps> Was anyone on it? <laughs> no, all the dancers were on it. It was during the parade. Oh so no. It was ripping back. And we we're like, oh, they were like, oh no, oh no. So um, Cinnamon, bless their amazing genius heart, um, was <laughs> like, who's got rope? Of course, someone had like, I've got rope because it's us. So someone had rope. Yeah, in the bag. Someone at the Lusty has rope. <laughs> like lassoed the thing, held on to it while it went under and then pulled it back up and then like took off a shoe and used it to like secure <laughs> the float the rest of the way. And like, hey, it's fine. Let's just keep going. I was like, that's to me, that's like stripper ness it's just like okay what are we gonna do like make it work like I love that and that that's one of the things that I really appreciated about the lusty lady is like not only were we such a family as dysfunctional as it may have been sometimes (laughs) but we also just like came together to make shit happen and that was I guess I guess that was also part of being a co-op because we were all co-owners Mm-hmm. And so it was all our responsibility. There was no one we could be like, go fix this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah. We definitely had to just be like, all right, everybody just grab an oar and start rowing. We're going to try this as though we're heading for a waterfall. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Like it was so, <laughs> but I mean, we did it for 10 years and it was, you know, it was successful until it wasn't. And then the wasn't, it wasn't our fault. Um, and like when like oh it's a bunch of you know like people said you know there was some there of course it made news the same it made a lot of headlines and national news when we were closing and there was a lot of talk about you know can strippers run a business and this is what happens and it was like businesses go out of business all the time yeah um and I got quoted in I think it was like NBC or ABC or something for saying like Barnes and Nobles went out of business like what was their we're strippers running it. Like right. businesses go out of business all the time. Like a business model changes, the industry changes. You're, you know, there's no, there's no um, rent control on commercial properties in San Francisco. So mm-hmm. there's nothing, you know, like un, things happen. <laughs> things, how long does the average business in North Beach last? <laughs> right. Except for the strip clubs, like everything opens and closes and opens and closes. And the reason the strip clubs stay put in North Beach is because the landlord is also the business owner, which is why um, we were the only club in North Beach whom he didn't, he owned our property, but not our business. Mm-hmm. So there was no incentive um, to him for us to stay. Before we get into the end, let's talk we'll about the co-op. The <laughs> and the fun, and the, the other end stuff. is the and real the juicy part. <laughs> and the fun stuff. Yeah. And the cute stuff. <laughs> but we let's had a lot talk. Of fun. We had a lot of fun, cute times. Let's talk about how a group of strippers came to own the club. Like, that's a pretty magical thing to make happen. Yeah. Especially a group that big, which I think that's the, it's like the more people you have, um, you know, moving a thing forward, like with votes and with meetings and with things like that, it is you know, it's some serious cat herding and everyone's, and I will say this, a lot of people got sort of down on, like on the situation being like, oh, people are flaky. It's like, 
were dancing full time. A lot of people had another job, school, a family, and now you want them to come in with no financial incentive. There's no extra pay for all this extra work and like do the work of running a business. Mm -hmm. Um, And people were like, I can't, I, you know, I can put in a couple hours a week. I can do this. And so there was this kind of like, Oh, he's flaky. Like it was like, we're not getting like a salary to do pay. You know, I mean, people paid, we paid people like a minimum wage to come in and, you know, take care of payroll or pay the bills or, you know, make them manage making the schedule or whatever, but it wasn't like you get like an, you know, like CEO wages for doing CEO work, you know, or marketing wages for doing, I was doing all our like PR and marketing. I wasn't getting like a, you know, Bay area PR salary. Like the median (laughs) salary for that is like 160 a year. And I was like, not even, no, (laughs) (laughs) still not making that, but like, that was unheard of. So it's just like you're doing, you're asking a lot of people and they were physically and emotionally exhausted and burnt out. Even before the it was like, but it turned over a lot. So it was like, okay, for six months, I'll, I'll, vol- I'll be the person who's essentially volunteering to be the person to make sure this happens. And we all sort of took turns. Um, and it was very cooperative because that's how we had to do it. But um, so the forming of the co-op happened when we learned that the owners, after all we had done to unionize and everything, that the owners in who also had the club in Seattle, that they had decided to close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had worked so hard to get this, this thing to unionize and have this happy, safe little pink bubble to work in that we made. And... Um, so we were like, why don't we just try? Like, w- we can try, you know? Yeah, um, so a shot. <laughs> a sh- yeah, it's, it's that sort of thing. You're like, well, just try, you know, walk up to them and ask. Yeah. <laughs> you might get lucky. Pro- they might say no, but then you just ask someone else. Just keep trying. <laughs> it's put on your big girl shoes and march up that hill. <laughs> That's right. Walk up to that, hopefully a whale sitting at the bar and um so uh we kind of got together and we're like well what you know what would be needed for that and how do we do this and how do we want to do this so there were a couple of co-ops in the bay area um already in existence one of them was rainbow grocery that had been around for a while we actually had some crossover there some people were um which was great because we always got the like discount hookup at rainbow grocery i love Uh, that place oh that bakery so good (laughs) Um, so, uh, we would, you know, they let us borrow, you know, kind of some of their formation documents or their, their documents on how they, you know, their, their, um, governmenting documents, their like bylaws and articles of incorporation and things like that. So we got all into that, got a crash course in that, um, and went to the owners and basically made a, um, pretty good, you know, deal with them for basically like a a down payment and then we paid off the rest over time um and so we put in the you know we ponied up and put in the down payment for the business and we're like okay we're we're doing this okay here we go and it was bananas as well kind of um in a way there was there was a, a period of time where things were extra super chaotic. There was a sort of, well, there's no boss, which is great, but there's also no one 
um, taking responsibility for making sure things get done. The people making sure that things got done were doing a lot of extra work and the burnout was real because people often confuse responsibility with authority. And so whenever someone was like, I'm making sure this happens, they would get treated differently and feel sort of ostracized by their peers. Like, oh, we used to all be like strippers together. And now you're treating me like I'm the manager, but I'm not the manager. I'm just the person making sure that we don't run out of toilet paper. Can you please not be mean to me like for that? Um, and I, I experienced a lot of that. I um, mean, a, in a co-op, accountability and power structures can be very complicated and you have to kind of clearly define all of that to mm-hmm. make it make sense because it's not it's not a traditional power structure. There's not just like a boss that's the boss and gets paid more and makes all the decisions. It's everybody's involved and everybody has some sort of job to do. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And so people would come in and they're like, oh, you're the person who makes these decisions or you're the person who relays the information about the decision that the entire group made, but they're new. So they don't know the process. And so they would view you as the authority and there would be some hostility towards you. Um, And it's like, calm down. I'm not the boss of you. I'm literally just the person who (laughs) I was like, it's not a position of power. It's a repetition. What it means is like the times when my phone would go off at like random times in the night and people would be like, you know, there's a, the AC unit is leaking and I'd be like, I'm on my way. Like I had to get up and come in. It, it was like, yeah, I'm mad with power. Like it was so, you know, it's just like, this isn't like, I don't get some special magic cake for doing this. I just means I have to like, whatever's going wrong. If it doesn't go right, I'm going to be the person who people go, who broke that? And you're like, she, she fucked it up. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Right. And then, and then, once you jump in to save one situation, people come to you with all the problems. Yeah, because I you would, become the go-to person. Yeah, the goat to <laughs> scapegoat to. Yeah, I would say my advice to anybody doing co-op things is make it super clear what you for your own sanity what you will and won't do, mm-hmm. and make sure everyone understands that you are that that I know I keep saying but the like the responsibility versus the authority but that they've entrusted you with you know you're the person to pick and then when they pick you know like that that's a that's kind of a burden and that they should thank you instead of getting mad at you for all the extra work you do um so whoever does you know if there's any co-op things going on make sure that you understand that people are going to get salty at you because no one's ever going to like everything you do and you have to be able to take some salt. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. But one of the most satisfying things about sharing the power among everyone is if a customer gets salty with you and asks to see your manager or your boss, you can look them dead in the face and say, I'm part owner of this company. (laughs) I am the boss. Yeah, (laughs) you can talk to me. Or you can talk to all of us. Yeah, (laughs) and we'll all probably tell you to go screw yourself. Yeah, in some cases, there might might be fights. Yeah, (laughs) but I I think that having the co-op and the union together created this special environment where everyone eventually looked out for each other more than usual, and it 
everyone felt a shared responsibility to make sure things go right. And I think that was a really cool environment to work in. Yeah, I think because historic, because we weren't just like a co-op of like a bakery or a shoe store or something, it was like, it felt really important. We knew that um, historic, that we were like, you know, a historic situation and that for sex, it was sort of like, you know, for sex workers everywhere, it's important that this, you know, go well. Um, which is a lot of pressure, but it also was like yeah. inspiring. You're like, we're doing something bigger than just, you know, paying the rent and getting our bills and 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 going to work. Like we're doing kind of a big global thing. Um, definitely a national thing, but also global. Um, and so, you know, we were like one way or the other, this is going down in history and going to be a thing and we want it. It's important. You know, it felt, I don't know. I felt it. In, I felt it deep in my heart, like every day. I still, you know, it's just like this is the hill I might die on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like I, fuck. I feel like it's especially locally within the Bay Area. It also like creating this sort of. I don't know how to say it, but having this union and having this co-op and being the first of its kind, sort of put eyes on us as sex workers in a different light Mm -hmm. and like the media wanted to talk to us and it wasn't just a fluff piece about sex work it was about labor rights and like people sort of had a certain respect for us because we were doing something more than just the work we were like creating something that can be used elsewhere yeah, um, I did hear that a lot of places when they were unionizing, they they used our our film as a sort of a training, sort of a how to. They were like, this the stripper part is, in this case, is irrelevant. I mean, it was very relevant because of the two things happening together. Because there was this sort of, it got the conversation going. It got a lot of people who had ideas about dancers and who they are and what they do. Um, to talk to themselves or each other about like, maybe they should reconsider that. Um, So it felt really important that way. Um, But yeah, it was used as sort of a, um, like a blueprint for like, this is how this can go, you know, this is how you go. And this is how you go when you really don't feel supported and how hard you have to push and that it will be worth it. And so um, it was pretty cool. And, And, uh, when we all kind of dispersed to other clubs in the area, I feel like the other clubs had to take us a little bit more seriously too, because we will sue them (laughs) and we know our rights. And they also know that we're not going to be shy or quiet about other dancers rights as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of us sued some other clubs before. (laughs) (laughs) Not naming (laughs) you. So, um, so yeah, it was like, they, you know, it was like, yeah, the, like you tried it kind of thing. They'd be like, well, act, you know, you have to, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, no, I don't <laughs> actually, <laughs> Why no, Why? and you know, and that's, I mean, other dancers would be like, you know, oh, they said we have to, blah, blah, blah. you know, and it's like, oh no, 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 you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's not a popular it's a fine line to walk you don't want to yeah. you know I would never recommend that people put themselves in any danger or put themselves in a position where you know it's like at the end of the day you got to pay your bills and if you don't want to be the squeaky wheel that is their you know someone's right to say like 
I really just want to keep my head down, come in, make my money and go home. Like, especially, um, and I especially say that for people, you know, for, you know, BIPOC, for people with disabilities, for people who are, you know, might have more discrimination in that industry and other industries where it's just like, don't, that's, I was like, this is definitely a time for you know, whenever there's like labor things or any kind of protesting, it's like, okay, like white girls, like get out front of this, like use your privilege, make a human shield, like protect <laughs> your coworkers, like literally and figuratively, like keep them safe. Don't make them be the one to complain about racist practices in the workplace. Like you do it. You're safer. If you get fired, you can get hired somewhere else. You can, you know, it just, if, if, you got to be willing to to go out in front and not ask other people to be like human shield. Like that's not cool. Yep. Yep. It's really important to be a good, strong ally in these situations. And we're facing so many different types of adversity here. Like mm-hmm. we all have to work together and use what we can to get what we need. Yeah. It's like, God, you get out front and like, whatever that privilege, whatever access you have to other resources, whatever, you know, like do help. <laughs> yeah. help, help, help. And if you can help, don't tell other people how they should help. <laughs> Especially if they are in higher risk life situations than you about how, you know, it's just like if they're facing the possibility of, you know, houselessness or, you know, losing access to medical care that they like then they need they do whatever Mm -hmm. that's just another thing I feel very strongly about there's the one hand there's the like you know we should all be fighting 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 and it's like not everyone can every day all the time like let let the people that can't like fight for them don't don't drag them out (laughs) to the front and be like Mm -hmm. hey take shots at the most vulnerable among us yep and I mean going back to working in a co-op like that was one of the most valuable things that I learned working there is don't make suggestions of things unless you're prepared to carry them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, don't say we should do this. Say I will do this. That was, yeah, that was, I was like, <laughs> like, how many times did you hear me say that in meetings and get stink faced for people? Like, but like, like, we can all have grand ideas, but we need to actually have the, the people power to carry them out and make them work. And some of us get spread thin. Yeah. And also, or just what access to resources do you have, whether it's historically, like with, you know, some people had higher education or more access to just understanding things and others of us did not, or just whatever other else we were taking care of. It's like, oh, we should all, it was like, I don't have time to do that. (laughs) I don't have the skills. I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. Like, you go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for your suggestion. I look forward to seeing how you accomplish that. Yeah. It's, like, it's hard. Don't. It's hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, but also like, but bringing people up. There was one, uh, so another hero of mine, our Miss Muffy, um, who is the queen of You Can Do anything Yes. And they're still out there. If anyone needs help, go to the Money Witch on the internet. They are 
on Instagram. Oh my God, the best. Their memes <laughs> are fire as well. The queen oh of sex worker taxes. <laughs> queen of sex worker taxes and money and 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 see and what they did was the the demystifying of these things. There was this like idea like you don't have this formal education, you won't be able to do this. And she was like, it's not that hard. I Googled it. <laughs> Like there are, there are templates for these forms for forming a co-op. And I went through and took a previous one and changed all the names to our names and printed it up and signed it. And now we're like, there was just this, like this idea, there's this sort of like keep away game of, of information that like, oh, well, you don't have that. You're not going to be able to do this. You won't understand it. And it's like, I know that for myself, I must be, I was telling that to myself and I still, you know, it's like you know, academia or, you know, higher finance or any of that, like absolutely terrifies and mystifies me. And I was just like, I can't do any of this. I can't do any of this. And she was like, let's Google it. You'll figure it out. You're not, you know, I was like, what? Like, don't you have to go to college for that? She's like, no, they just tell you that. (laughs) So you feel like you don't have access to these things. And so this sense of, so doing the co-op kind of for me was like a, like, you can do these these big things and you'll you can try it'll be okay yeah it's important and i i think that because we of the lusty lady were able to do those big things it created a lot of hope for people elsewhere who want to work in a co-op and want to form a union and want to fight for their own rights and put their foot down and say we are actually workers too and need to be treated as such and i think it's magical that we were able to create that example for other people yeah i would definitely say to anybody out there that's like thinking they can't do it like if i could end up somehow with my name as listed as the ceo of of the company like (laughs) and doing figuring out all kinds of stuff with my, you know, seventh grade dropout education and my like hot mess of a being a homeless person history. And like, all that, like, I don't come from, from, from anything that would help me with that. Like um, other dancers helped me, other sex workers helped me. Um, and the sort of like hustly can do-ness of being a stripper helped me and that was it it was just scrappiness it was just like we'll figure it out got a rope (laughs) grab a shoe fix the thing like it already broke like how much let's just see what happens like you know so it was like that was how I learned to do that and it carried forth into so all the other things that I'm doing in my life now you know like since and how I feel and why I feel like it's so important for me as like a sort of semi-retired, I don't know what I'm doing, um, but <laughs> you're living your life. I'm living my life, hanging out with my cat. I baked pumpkin pie <laughs> last night. It was great. Yeah. Um, um, I, um, you know, feel like it's really, really important for me to reach back, you know, and and for people who are like, we want to start this thing or we want to do this thing, but we have no idea. And like, we can't do it. And like, we'll have to like get, you know, and I'm like, Oh, you can, you can, you can. <laughs> I just can't. I want to keep like being a little. Yeah. It may not be easy, but it can be done. It won't be easy, but <laughs> it is not impossible. And 
it also won't be the end of the world if you, I mean, you know, the, for the big picture stuff, like the unionizing and things like that, and that are like industry changers, there's going to be a lot of people involved. And if you have to like pass the torch or tap out for a little while and take a break and do some mental self-care, like do it, do it for sure. But the idea that like, if it doesn't work or right away, or it doesn't work, you know, that you've, there, there's no failing because you're trying and you're learning. And that sounds really cheesy, but it's like, every time we make a little bit of progress, even if the progress is we tried something and now we can cross that off the list. We're like, well, that didn't work. Like that's one, that's still institutional knowledge that we can share with each other. You know, like whatever you do, don't because we tried that and it was bad, you know, like don't, you know. You don't need an outsider as a management consultant. let's have Tom forever (laughs) let's switch gears to tea time (laughs) um let's talk about the end and how that happened and how it can be avoided in the future because I feel like there are a lot of lessons to be learned from our experience there from my perspective because I was still fairly new when all this went down like I (laughs) Got hired maybe six months before. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So, like, <laughs> I wasn't fully aware of the whole situation at the time, but I figured out as we went along that, like, the business was struggling a little bit, times were changing, the internet was happening, and, uh, it was really hard to get people to pay for a peep show and we weren't able to advertise as much as maybe it had in the past. And we were looking for some help to just kind of stimulate business and make more money. That was my perspective of the situation. Am I correct with that? You are correct. Um, Okay. A little more pieces than that, but yeah, generally, um, so that's been, that had been something we had been trying to do kind of since we bought the theater at, or, you know, became the cop um, and slow progress had been made. We had done like fundraiser and then used that to get new carpet and new paint. Like basically the previous owners, because it didn't affect their bottom line at all, really um, had let it become totally run down. And mm-hmm. so people would walk in and go, oh, this place is like falling apart. Um, and there's a thing called which, you know, perceived value is real and people, you know, spend more money in a fancy restaurant than they do in a, you know, divey burrito spot. Even if the burrito is fucking amazing, like they're just like, well, it's cheap. You know, they wouldn't, it's not prettily plated and, you know, with chandeliers and stuff, which is what, you know, the other clubs have these beautiful interiors and these beautiful, you know, and these huge advertising budgets because they're giant. It's deja vu. It's like the Walmart of strip clubs. So like they have, budget coming out their eyes for all that stuff and Um, punk rock peep show doesn't exactly scream big money (laughs) no so it was hard to so it's a you know it's hard to say without being like it's not like a it's not a class thing it was just like as a product like the reality is of you know people spend more on a pair of shoes they got at Neiman's than they do at Payless and it doesn't mean that the one or the other is better but that is how marketing and industry work Mm -hmm. luxury goods don't go on sale aqaq um (laughs) 
Um, yes, we have matching tattoos. <laughs> so the, um, the idea was, you know, if we, you know, we still want to keep our vibe and our spirit, we're still going to be punk rock. We're still going to be, you know, um, cool, but like we could get some like, you know, fresh paint and fresh carpet again. And cause it's been a while and like fix things that are, that are broken. And, you know, the thing is that every time people came into the lusty, they were like, this place is so cool. It's amazing. The dancers are so hot. There's so much variety. They're, you know, like all sizes, all colors, tattoos, no tattoos, piercings, like the whole everything. And they were like, they're so cool. We love this place. <laughs> we didn't know. No one knows it's here. And we're like, we know because advertising is expensive. Yeah. Um, so you know, and we do these little fundraisers, we do like cupcake sales in the park or have like bands play at a local thing that they would donate their time. And we would, you know, sell raffle tickets and get enough to run an ad in the paper for a year, you know, and it was just like ridiculous, like that we we're doing that. So um, we were sort of scrapping along and rowing along and doing our best and, you know, wearing roller skates and pushing a boulder up a hill and all that <laughs> thing that we were doing. Yeah. And then um, we got the word that the landlord was planning to triple our rent. Um, and we were like, oh, no, oh, no, <laughs> like we literally know. So we and the one out- thing everyone knows about San Francisco is the rent is obscene, it's especially obscene. for businesses, for businesses. Yeah. Commercial businesses and the leases are long. It's like, you know, they want your sign a 15, 20 year lease. We'd always sign the lease at 10 year increments. So it had been 10 years. So, and they'd always kind of held it a reasonable and they just decided to like, and a big jump had happened just in general in the city with rents. Um, and now the Salesforce, Salesforce tower is empty. So <laughs> they goofed <up. laughs> <clears throat> So anyway, um, uh, so these things happened at once. Like we were already like just riding the struggle, struggling and then, and trying to figure out how can we improve, you know, like getting a website made and get it, you know, like we're just doing little bit by little bit. And then this giant wave of, Oh no, just hit us. We were like, we're fucked. So we really didn't want to lose it. So we sent out, you know, kind of flares out to the community to, you know, places like Center for Sex and Culture and all these other places and trying to maybe get um, landmark status and get grants and like all of that stuff. And again, that was all stuff we one didn't know how to do, but also like hit us out of nowhere. We weren't like prepared. It wasn't like a long, you know, like we have plenty of time to figure, we're like, we have no time to figure this out. We have about like a couple months. We're fucked. We're fucked. Yeah. Um, And so we were approached by some people who were associated with another adult business in San Francisco that was also an institution and seemed to be doing really, really well. Um, And they said, you know, we have some someone for you who would like to make a large, large investment in turning the business around. Um, And in exchange for that, they will operate as like a consulting management. So they'll give you a bunch of money. They'll fix it all up get your biz, get you kind of back on track, get the rent caught up, get the, you know, or we weren't behind on any bills, but like they will, you know, they'll be able to keep it going um, and get, you know, get everything all looking nice and smelling nice and, you know, as it should back to how it should be um, and, and get the ads going and get the customers coming in and just turn this thing around and kind do of, all the things. Kind of like what Gordon Ramsay does for restaurants. 
Yes, exactly. Except for the thing was that the frustrating thing was that it wasn't that we didn't know how to do it. Is that all we needed was for someone to literally just hand us some money. We're like, no, we know everyone's like, we'll tell you how to do it. We're like, we know how we don't, it costs money. We don't have, and people are like, how can you not have money? You're a strip club. And it's like, because the rent is insane. And because we pay our dancers, we pay them a living wage. We even had options for like 401ks and health plan. Like we take care of our employees. The other clubs make so much money because you don't pay anybody. <laughs> and also if you don't have, <laughs> if you don't initially have the funding for advertising and proper marketing, then it just creates this vicious cycle. Of, yeah, well, we don't have enough reverse. customers now. Yeah. And then, so the customers were disappearing and then so we couldn't hire as many dancers. And so when customers came in, there were less dancers. And so the customers that came in were like, eh, that was like, they were hot and everything, but they're used to seeing like 80 of them. And I only saw like six. What the hell? You know, I was just yeah. like, sorry. <laughs> Is that the same chick that was just working the door? And you're like, yeah, I just ran around. <laughs> like we were doing everything. We were working yeah. the door. I was smashing photocopiers, all kinds of things. <laughs> so um, anyway, so they came to us and they said, we will give you all this money, but we will want to be like a man, which as again, as a business investor that you kind of want you do, you're like, I want to get in there and see your books. I want to get in there and see how you're doing it. And I want to be able to influence this positively so that I get a return on my investment. So that sounded reasonable. Um, However, (laughs) they came in and we, we voted and we signed all the stuff. And then once it got started, um, I was extremely burnt out. I was not I couldn't, I was dealing with some other stuff and I had to go. So I left town for a little bit to take care of personal and family matters that needed to be taken care of. In my absence, the person ran amok, amok, amok. Um, And I did not know this until I got a call basically saying that payroll had bounced. It was, it was Mother's Day weekend. I was up north and I got a frantic call from, I believe it was either Roxanne or Baby Doll. They said, payroll, payroll bounced. And I said, what? And they were like, yeah. So I was like, nope. And I got on a Greyhound or an Amtrak or something and came back and was like, what is happening in here? Um, and it turned out all kinds of shenanigans. Um, yep. <laughs> that uh, it, we tried to sort of backpedal and fix and it exploded, and but we had to get them out of there. Um, but there was, I still don't know if it was, I don't know if it was, I think it was a combination of incompetence and malice. Like, I'm not sure it was entirely one or the other. I think it was a bit of both. I think they thought they could come in and sort of shuffle this thing around and make it their own and didn't understand. I will just go ahead and say it. It felt real malicious. <laughs> yeah. I think that because they knew that where I was and what kind of, connections and things that I had and that they had to be careful of me and my situation. Um, to me, to my face, they were very like gracious and like, Oh, we were, we didn't understand. We were confused. We thought this we will fix it. We'll fix it. And then when I wasn't there, they were like doing all kinds of sideways bullshit that I didn't find out about until people told me later. And I was like, Nope. And then once I came in, like the, parasite was already inside the you know and it was like getting this situation getting it out and getting it fixed like damage was done yeah Uh, and And i don't i don't want to perpetuate conspiracy theories but i 
will say that the rest of North Beach had a strong financial interest in our failure. Yeah, to an extent, yeah. And uh, our existence as a unionized co-op and being as free as we were could be perceived as a threat to the other clubs because other dancers see what we're doing and they want that. Right. Or they're like, hmm. I will say because our, I think part of it was because our business model was so different that as far as like for the customer experience that because it was um, different enough, I think that was a big part of what protected us. If we had been just another strip club with the same sort of business model. Yeah. Um, it might've been more of a threat, but they were like, they're not selling the same thing we're selling. It's a different experience um, uh, because of the, I mean, we have lap dances and we have, you know, like, but whatever, but that was focused was on the sort of behind the glass peep show fantasy aspect. So it was a little different. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean we weren't a threat. Just means that they sort of didn't, they underestimated us terribly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that happened. And by the time that had been found out, it turned out that that um, those people were not paying the, taking care of getting the bills paid. Um Things were just mismanaged all over the place. They tried to fuck with the union, which was not mm-hmm. okay. Um, and that's, I actually, so I came sliding back in right before our contract negotiations happened and got us a closed shop, which we never had um, before. Um, and also I worked in sick days, which was kind of cool. Um, which meant that when we got laid off, when we laid ourselves off at the end, if I'm not skipping ahead too far. So I'll just, <laughs> I'll back up. So we found this all out. We also found out that in their negotiations with the landlord, they had, without our knowing, gone to the landlord, representing themselves as our agent of allowing to do this, which we did mm-hmm. not agree to, um, and signed things basically that we would be closing um, in, what was it, like 60 days or something? Yeah, I think, no, I think but the original agreement was 30 days and it I was, had to call the lawyer you, to renegotiate. Yes, <laughs> he went and sent things on our lawyer's letterhead that our lawyer did had no knowledge of. He had like copy pasted the letterhead from our lawyer. <laughs> we were like, um, this seems like a conflict of interest. What's happening? And the lawyer was like, come again now. We're like, you're doing, and they were like, I didn't send that. That's not for me at all. We're like, okay, give us a second. We need to, and if we weren't so hassled and rushed and hustled, I think we could have, you know, maybe undone the whole thing and been like, okay, there has been a huge misunderstanding. Let's come to the table and what can we work out and keep going? I don't know. There really was no time. That's what people and- like. I know the statute of limitations on this sort of thing is probably up, but it, I'm pretty sure what happened was not legal. No. <laughs> well, that was part of why we got some extra time was with the union was because the, um, the Warren Act, which is if you have more than a certain number of employees, you have to give them more than a certain, there's a, you can't, if you're laying people off, you have to give them a certain amount of notice in a, in the right way. And yeah. they just kind of came in and they're like, well, um, and, a, and a contractor cannot negotiate for the closure of the business. No, they were not authorized to do any of that. Like they were authorized to um, represent us in some capacities. But the thing is, because we were the co-op, they still had to, whatever it is they were going to do, they would have had to bring it to the meeting, get us to vote. And then they could be the one to like, 
yeah, if you want to take the bus to the other side of town and have a meeting with him, you can, but you have to tell him what we told you to say. You don't just say whatever comes to your. Yeah. You're not the owner here. You're You're actually the the only one who doesn't own the business. Yeah. You are an employee (laughs) and you are the only person here who is an employee who is not a part owner or a union member. You're a consultant. Just like if we hired someone to fix the website for like a limit, it was like, this is a limited time consulting. And then when it's turned around, you should be getting your, a a return on your investment. But it was a no fault. uh, It was supposed to be like a no fault. Like if the return, if the investment didn't return, we would be, you know, they're like, I'm so sure that I'm going to get my money back on this investment. You know, it's like a shark take situation. Yeah. They kept telling us that they had not been able to have a meeting, that the landlord was evading them. Um, When we finally tracked it down and found out that they had signed things already. On our behalf. Weeks ago, agreeing to close. Yes. With like 30 days. And we were like, nope, nope, nope. So we scrambled. We got a little extra time. Um. See, I was actually out also out of town visiting family when I got an email that said, hey, the lusty lady's going to close in 30 days. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Excuse me. I thought we were making things better, not giving up. Yeah. But uh, and so that was when I called the lawyer and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, and, did I miss something? Yeah, like, that's when we yeah, found yeah. out that he had not necessarily agreed to this either. <laughs> and so we were able to negotiate with the landlord for, I think, like 60 extra days or something. Mm-hmm. And that would at least give us time to like figure something out and like clean out the building. Yeah, because part of the agreement was that it would be cleaned out like clean which is like uh this is a three-story 40-year-old like, business 40-year-old <laughs> business with like hidden rooms and tunnels and like oh, okay there was so much of that building that i had not seen before <laughs> <laughs> the basement that went through to the other club i was like so this is me and my don't mind a lot of, <laughs> like if you don't mind a lot of spiders this is a cool tunnel that you can check out. Oh man. So we had the way it plays out in my mind is after we found out we had to close, it was like a goofy movie montage of a bunch of us having meltdowns and trying to clean things and trying to figure out where to put things. Yep. And uh, I can tell you that building is definitely haunted. (laughs) For the very first time, I was alone in the building because it was it never closed, so there was always other people there. But for the very first time, I was alone in the building, and that building is definitely haunted. Oh yeah, very, 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 very. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and we all got to learn how much goes into closing a forty-year-old business. Like like we were saying before, we didn't even know how to lock the doors because we'd never done it before. Um. And there was just so much stuff to move. And there, there was a whole day ordeal of dealing with the safe. We were trying to figure out where to put the safe and how to move it. Because I don't know if anyone here has ever moved a safe. But it's how, like, the one we had with weighs about as much as a car engine. Yeah. How much was it? Do you remember how much it weighed? Actually, five. Yeah, it was like five or 600 pounds or something. 
something like that. Yeah. And we were also on a, like a massive San Francisco hill. <laughs> and they're like, you got to move that outside. Like, yeah. And okay. I was, I was going to put it in my storage unit. And then I realized my storage unit has stairs involved. <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole thing and you sold it right on like craigslist or something right How yeah we- i think we did end up selling it or even giving it to someone i don't remember oh i think we gave it to some of the uh, it was people that were involved with either it was one of the art spaces out in the east bay where they build a lot of the larger structures for things like burning man and other stuff they do like yeah. metal sculpting and they have trucks that was the other thing is a lot of our community um or community connections. Um, this happened over right at Labor Day weekend of all times. Yeah. Um, most people with that we knew that had large spaces, that had large vehicles or vehicles of any kind and resources for this kind of stuff were all at that thing in the desert um, <laughs> that goes on fire. And so we were like, oh, my friend has a truck. No, they're not here. Oh, my friend has all these tools. Oh, shit, they're not here. Like, and also a lot of those people were, that community was a lot of our biggest supporters. And when they came back and we were gone, they were like, what happened? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> watch the news. We're on the news. We're on the news a lot. We were on the news so much. Oh, um, during so much. Process. It was just like news vans outside all day, every day. Just like, what's going I, on? It became a nuisance because we were all like already overwhelmed trying to deal with closing the business and also still working our normal We're shift. still dancing. <laughs> we were still dancing. We were short. So we were all dancing like double, triple shifts. And then we'd punch out and go downstairs and file, you know, sort through like 30 years worth of like back tax you know tax forms and bank statements and things that had never been organized before and so we're just like yeah this is happening yeah and then like constantly being interrupted by reporters and some of them did not have our best interest at heart (laughs) it was it was a very stressful time very stressful but But it was an adventure it was an adventure (laughs) um but we did get to see like people come together in a certain way that did have kind of a magical feeling to it. Um, as I, I remember during that time it was the first time I watched best little whorehouse in Texas. Oh, <laughs> and it was like the worst movie to watch while I was having like this emotional situation going on with our business. And I just had this full on like ugly cry meltdown. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> our, little, our little chicken coop is my home away and I just <laughs> but that like the movie also showed like that sense of family that comes with it and how like those of us that did come together like came together in such a strong way to like we're gonna figure this out we're gonna make this happen we're gonna survive this yeah like if we'll, we'll, we'll do we'd, and we all did just like to either like just looking at each other and being like have you eaten today i'll be right back i'm making i'm getting like i'm put i'm, yeah. I'm busy you're like no i'm make I'm, listen here <laughs> and then the put other down person, the sledgehammer <laughs> and then the and then that person would be having a meltdown and the other person was like go home take a nap take a shower and come and you're like i can't leave i can't leave there's too much shoes it's like just We'll be fine. We got you. Just go home. Take it. I remember people ordering yeah. me go home, take a nap, and come back. And I was like, I can't, I can't. And they're like, because you've been here for like a week. Go home. And I was like, I can't. Go home. I remember coming 
in one day and there was like somebody with a hot plate making pancakes in the dressing room for everybody. And, like, yeah. Uh, it was, it was a really like, it was a hard time, but it was a very sweet time at the same time. Stripper making sense. pancakes is a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> like this hot, hot chicken, like, you know, yeah, nothing but heels just like, and a little apron, just like, wants pancakes and you're like <laughs> so this cute. is what I don't want to give up this is what I you know it's like yeah this is us like this is a total like making pancakes in the in the stripper dressing room just like yeah cool yeah and um, then there was the parade yay oh it was one of the most magical experiences ever it was you tell us <laughs> me okay yeah you tell us how beautiful um, it was so when we found out that we were going to have to be, that we were going to be effed, um, we um, made a decision to close, pick a date, to close on our own rather than have them, you know, because we could have been like, nope, we're just going to keep going until they, you know, call the city and, you know, basically evict us, which would take a while, you know, just like, we'll just, um, but instead we just decided like, okay, we're going to pick a date. We're going to take care of all of our bills. We're going to make sure everything is nice and neat. We didn't file for chapter 11, which is you know, bankruptcy things. We didn't do any, which it's like we could have, I don't know. Um, and because of the sick day thing, we all got to, when we got laid ourselves off um, to have um, a, basically like a severance. So people got to leave and be eligible for unemployment and eligible for get some money to get them through, which, you know, I think was really, uh, to me, that was kind of like, that was my proudest moment in life being like, I made it so that when like, people left, it's like, here's a big check, not a big check, but to us, a big check, like enough to, you know, give you a minute to like get on your feet and find another gig, if, you know? Um, so we put out the word, and um, media, which was already swarming around, um, came a running, and we decided to do a big closing night party. And we decided to do it as like a sort of a New Orleans style second line funeral kind of thing. And um, we figured, like, oh, some people, it'll be us, and like maybe some people will show up. <laughs> kind of a whole city and then some turned out like we filled it was huge the streets of north mm -hmm. beach like it was like mardi gras it was packed all everywhere you look there was just 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 skippers <laughs> everywhere and people and everybody you know and and like you know the sisters of perpetual indulgence came out and the bands came out and they were like i forgot what it was it was someone from some like horror convention and they brought these like doped up hearses to like yeah along and like and then we got like that um that 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 pink coffin that we carried yeah jump out of that was fun uh, <laughs> and and people playing the seat and the band we had like a breast a big you know new orleans style band and they were playing um saint james infirmary blues and a bunch of other songs and everyone brought their umbrellas and i remember you were wearing like a cool like a veil situation that was yeah. like, and i had those 10 inch boots walking up and down yeah <laughs> 10 inch boots and then the like hat with the veil and the thing and like nothing else <laughs> hardly really basically i had like a bikini or something yeah like a bikini and then like yeah you're definitely serving some real like like american horror story like witch <laughs> season look i was i was living for it um and then, yeah, and it was just, 
total pandemonium and like people were just and on that hill like people just like sat and it just turned into like a giant like people were drinking and partying and whatever and then the club itself was non-stop packed 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 all yeah. night you couldn't lines even, out the door yeah we li- yeah line out giant lines out the door just raining money we opened the back to anybody who had a former dancers going back as far as the the formation days from like, you know, pre-union to union. And so people who were like, I danced here in 82, you know, and like, yeah, I'm grandma now. And we were like, we collected like all the, you know, we're just like, if you would like to go on stage one last time and say goodbye to it, like put on a pair of heels, like go on up. And people were like crying and hugging and yeah, having sex everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we were all we were just like I'm having some feelings. Yeah. One of us might have gotten fucked on the pole. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm having feelings. Do you wanna maybe fist me in the office and just I just I gotta I gotta let some of this steam out. I'm just <laughs> having I'm having emotions. Like, yeah, sure. Um so yeah, all the dancers were making out and chasing each other around and it was just a making we money. Making money. <laughs> setting things on fire we were just like i don't care like it became our, our what was the it was like what are they gonna do fire me became our favorite yeah do anything <laughs> um, pretty much i remember getting up on the front desk <laughs> and like twerking on the front desk you're like i don't care yeah and then <laughs> and it was me and like kitty and courtney like set it on fire <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're don't do this at kids' ho- at home, kids, but uh, if you pour Purell and then light it, it makes a real neat little thing. Um, and again, <laughs> we were just like, we were like, fire. <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> burning down. We put it out, but. Yeah. Um, it was a real Dionysian festival. <laughs> it was very, very, not real witchy. Um, so, yeah, we just went bananas. We went berserk. And then. After that was the part where we had to stay behind and clean up and um, get everything. Cause we were, we, Oh, we ran the business until like days before we had to be out of the business. <laughs> like we we're like, okay, now it's because we need the money to do the thing. And then we're like, okay, now we have to clean it out and be out in time. So that, cause I think the agreement was some pretty substantial amount of money that if like, if we weren't cleaned out and everything gone and ready for them to come in and do whatever they were going to do to it on time which is crazy because they still haven't done anything with it (laughs) they've definitely gutted it it's it's all empty yeah like all the way up all the walls are gone um it's like just down to the studs and support beams but yeah it was supposed to be some kind of schmancy restaurant and then it wasn't and then i know i can't imagine putting a booth for food where there used to be a booth for a peep show i know but we always said we're like the. I don't know if they stopped trying because every time they talked about it, we'd all in the news, we'd all come, we'd all come out of the <laughs> comment and be like, "Oh, we're showing up. We are gonna show up <laughs> and ask and like ruin your opening night. Like it's gonna be. I mean, we're gonna come in as customers. We're gonna order food, but like, we're gonna all show flash up and mob that motherfucker and be like, guess what used to be right here where the kitchen is. <laughs> Want to see pictures? Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> It was pretty early. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on with that. It's still sitting empty. Um, I have been by quite a, 
quite a few times. We did get a plaque yeah. on the sidewalk. I saw that. It was nice. Yeah. Um, I did break in once to the empty space, and then I got caught and ran away. <laughs> I wonder if my key to that back door even still works. I wonder if they even bothered to change that lock. I, should, I wouldn't. No. You know, I have no reason to, but, like, you know. I was like, why don't they even bother to change it? <sighs> um, but yeah, it's just empty in there. Um, and then, but it does go through to the the restaurant on the other side. I think so. Yeah, all that stuff in North Beach is connected through it's, weird doorways it, and tunnels. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a, a, a crazy maze up there. Um, and then after, yeah, after all that, we all collapsed for a little while. Um, there was still a lot of paperwork to be done once we physically got out of the office. So there was a lot of office work. Um, that again, a former lusty let us use their space as like an office space and we could move all the files there. Um, and then I did the thing of secure filing, which is still, th- I think I'm almost at the last, last batch of shredding. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause there's like requirements on how long you have to keep people's paperwork. And, so, and that's the thing. It's like, no one was going to do this. Like if we're a co-op and it's no one's job, if everyone just walks away and it's like, Technically, it's not my job to take care of that. It's like the person who says, shit, okay, I'll do it. Yep. <laughs> like, gets people are like, oh, so you're controlling everything. And I was like, I'm literally just volunteering to pick up finding, the shit. <laughs> yeah, begging a friend with a truck to come down here and help me load all this paperwork. And then I'm paying for it to go into a secure place like legally, technically, you know, just like, and then paying for like commercial shredding and I have the receipts literally for, you know, so it's for anybody, I still hold on. It's like, if anybody ever needed to go back and check and need to see receipts, like, yes, they were properly stored. Yes. Employee files were properly shredded. Like they weren't just, you know, because like. Can't just throw them away. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Um, Yeah. So, you know, and like, I don't know with other strip clubs, like if they adhere to any of that, like if someone was like, hey, I worked there 10 years ago, can I see the receipt for how you stored and disposed of my personnel file that has my social security number and everything in it? Like, they'd be like, we don't save that shit. Like, I don't know that they even do it. I don't know. That's actually one of the issues that comes up when dancers do sue for back wages is they often- There's no record. Yeah, they don't keep proper records and it becomes an even bigger issue in court. Dancers, keep your records, keep your hiring yeah. paperwork, your receipts from the end of the night, those old dance slips, if you, they give you something to sign every night, keep them. Anything, every, anything, everything that can be a paper trail, emails of when you were scheduled, mm-hmm. anything. If you're on the website as like being there for certain days at a certain time, like that's when you worked, like that's when you were scheduled to like, oh, in case you ever need it. Yeah. Yep. Because if you if you do have to sue for any reason, then you're already 10 steps ahead of them if you have mm-hmm. all your paperwork in order. And even just not suing, like if there's a mistake with your taxes, it's something like I had my, yeah. you know, it wasn't their fault. Like there was something that went weird with my taxes one year and I had to go back through everything and be able to show the right numbers. And if I hadn't kept records, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Like Getting a ten, getting a ten ninety nine is a pain in the butt. So you know, um, 
or not a 10 and i uh, what's the contractor thingy is that the 1099 it's 1099 yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm like i know the i know it's the things i feel that when i'm hiring <laughs> people see um so yeah like being able to to have that stuff for yourself because like they're not like a sometimes they're not like you know it's not like working at like you know an office where they like keep really good records for you and you can just hit up the HR person and be like, can you give me my, this and that record and my history of like when I got a raise so that I can, you know, adjust my do to do, you know, they're just like, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Want to be fabulous. Just like these strippers pay attention. It's stripper tips. Number one, take care of your body and especially on your knees. Yes. (laughs) Um, and your back and everything like floor work is really hard on your joints and your knees. And if you're only, you know, if you're younger, you're only doing it for a little while, it'll still, it can still come back later and having body pain um, as a result of dance. I mean, all, you know, athletes and dancers have later on ouchies. So please like take care of, of your body. Um, and um, the other is, um, the AQ. <laughs> yes. No, you're worth, you are worth a lot. Don't, I mean, we all have the same where It's like, you just got to make rent and you got to like get what you got to get, you know, but like, um, yeah, if every, I, I, that people have been tipping dollars on stage since the sixties, the dollar, <laughs> <laughs> has not the same value that it had in the 60s. People have been paying $20 for a private dance since the early 80s. $20 in the early 80s was a different amount of money. Yep. We should be charging much, much more. And other things have all gone up. The cost of living has gone up. Rent has gone up. Food has gone up alcohol has gone you know when they go when customers and then, then that's the thing is they're always like oh well if you charge more they'll run away drinks cost more people are still going out cover charges are more mm-hmm. people are still going like ev- movies are more like everything costs more now yes. the only thing for some reason the industry is like gr- like digging its heels in is like oh we can't charge more for for dancers or we can't expect people to be putting at least 20s up on stage when they tip a dancer Yes, they should. <laughs> it's almost 2022. What in the fuck? Yeah. The 1980s were 40 years ago. Yes. <laughs> that is, my, I'm like, that, what the, meh, with that, you know, and clubs are like, oh, we can't, you know, lap dances is going to start at $20. They started at $20 in the 80s. Like, they haven't changed. Yeah. So charge more if you, if you can charge more. And that's part of why the, the unionizing, it's like, and clubs are like, oh, well, if we, you know, pay people a living wage, we'll go out of business. It's like, then your business model failed. Like, that's not the employee's fault. Like, pay people. <laughs> yes. And then I'm going to take this even a little bit further with regards to the lusty lady. If you had to do it all again, what things would you, what, what parts of the business model would you keep? I guess. I would absolutely keep the union. Um, I would have changed the co-op model to be 
um, a little bit of a longer lead time bef- uh, uh, for people who are more seriously invested in, in being in a co-op member, which is a little bit more standard in other places as well, that you work somewhere for, you know, five years or so, and then, you know, you become, and employees get can still be involved, but there would have to be sort of a longer run up lead up. I think we had to sort of just kind of let everybody be a member and then that made the decision processes difficult because we had so many people to get to agree on something who all came from different, you know, ideas about how things work and it slowed us down a lot. And there were a lot of things that were good ideas that I think could have worked out, but unfortunately the process was too slow. Um, So I would have lowered the way it was so that things could move faster when we had a a decision to make because it slowed Mm -hmm. us down and kind of hobbled us a little bit. Um, And I wouldn't have hooked up with that one chick. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of them, absolutely. That one. Sleeping with your coworkers does make things complicated. Yeah. (laughs) It can. It can. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm so glad I got to talk to you today. I miss you. And it's wonderful being able to go down memory lane and talk about the good, the bad, and the pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is there anything else you want to share with us today? Anything we haven't covered? I can't think of it. I'm drawing a blank. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I miss you a lot. Um, and and I can't wait to see you. Hopefully soon. <laughs> and, yes. Uh, um, yeah, I think that I would just say if people are, you know, I know that this last year, especially these last couple of years for people in the industry have been a really crazy time and to remember that what we're going through is, you know, these unprecedented times, like everybody give yourself, going all Jerry Springer on you, but it's like everybody like give yourself a break. Like this is hard. This is scary. And this is hard. And like, you like what we're doing is like heroic, you know, just like being a stripper at all in the first place is it, it's an existence that it's, you know, it's more than a job. It's a life adventure that um nobody else understands like what what we deal with and what we go through and um so like and how we help people too how we help people and how we help ourselves and each other and you know burnout is real take if you can't you know if you feel burnt out it's okay to say like i don't want to do you know try to find something else try to have balance try to get help like reach out to other you know workers and say like how do you handle your burnout how do you what's another income source that I can have to balance this out for days when I feel burnt out so I'm not so scared that if I don't go to work today even though I feel horrible I will be won't be okay like if you can have a backup a contingency um save your money I know that it's hard to do especially when things are you know and it's like you want to reward yourself you worked hard and you want that sparkly thing that you've had your um, eyes on and stuff and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't also like if you don't it, you know if you go ahead and spend money fine you know like that's yours but try to save some for when it things like a you know a pandemic hits so you're not like so scared take care of yourself like you would take care of someone you love 
Mm-hmm. That's really good advice. That's really good advice. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And where can we find more of you? Where can people follow you around on the internet? Um, I'm so bad at updating stuff. <laughs> My Instagram is the little shoes account, S H O L Z, little shoes. Um, my Venmo is little shoes at Gmail. There you go. <laughs> Venmo is at little shoes. Everything is little shoes. My wish list on Amazon is little shoes. Everything's little shoes because I wear little shoes. <laughs> size five, and I have a shoe collecting problem. Oh, girl, it has grown since you left. Uh, I'm so sad that we can't fit each other's shoes because your shoe collection is so magical. Yours is magical. <laughs> you can fit two of your feet in one of my shoes. I'm dying to show you this pair that I just got. Wait, where did they go? Oh, they're there. Hang on. I know where it's been, but I got to show you. Yes. Yes. Show us the shoes. Oh, my goodness. I can see it. Yes. Ugh. Is it like embroidered? It's like a brocade and then it has oh. insight like in the hoof. I love so them. <laughs> I love them. Do they make them in my size? I'll look. <laughs> Add them to your wish list. Yeah. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. Shoe of the day. I should do like shoe of the day. You should. You should. So <laughs> Little oh, tiny so <laughs> um so yeah people can buy me things off my wish list which currently is nothing but cat treats and cat costumes but i know. think they should definitely spoil your cat yeah. <laughs> i think that has to happen well thank um, you thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for telling the story it's important that people hear like what happened there and what could go differently in the future you know yeah. <laughs> so too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. This has been a production with Period Podcast Network. You can find out more on Instagram at Period Podcast Network, and you can follow us at Yes a Stripper Podcast on Instagram and Yes a Stripper Pod on Twitter. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave your feedback in the comments on YouTube. We'll see you next week.